my brother-in-law, I still give him credit for all this. He says, uh, about two or three years later, he says, you know, you've got 150,000 views on these videos. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, you got 150,000. He said, you need to be doing this, man, and, and do it right. So really, my whole thing with Dell Outdoors is I'm an educator. I like to take scenarios where most people don't show on television or have time, break it down and really teach people how to turkey hunt and deer hunt, you know, and of course, you know, but turkey hunting seems to be what everybody knows me for. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up in Hornady presents... Welcome to American Roots Outdoors, your host, Alex Rutledge. We're in the studio today, and I'm with Redbone Mike Crace. Wayne Locke has not made it to the studio yet. And man, 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 what a crazy world we live in, Redbone. It is absolutely uh, gone nuts. Yeah, you know, I was thinking in today. In every aspect. Yeah, I was on my way to work today. You ready for this? You're mm-hmm. going to love this. I'm on my way to work to the office at Eminence, Missouri, my visa job. And I'm driving by a factory. I'm not going to name the factory. Uh, as I'm looking to the left, and I'm looking at people in line, and they're getting x-rayed as they walk in. Yeah, well, scanned. probably the, bo- the body Not x-rayed, but they're getting scanned the for their thing. body temperature. Yeah. For yeah, their body yeah, temperature. Yeah, everybody's doing that. Yeah, but, but, but it's like God's talking to me. He said, Alex, here's the words for a good song. What happened? What happened? Think about it. What has happened? Think about this whole COVID thing. We're going to touch on COVID. Wayne's in the studio. He made it in a little bit here. He's behind, but that's all right. We've all been behind. But what are you, your thoughts on COVID? Don't catch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. A, I mean, it's a serious thing. I mean, I'm again. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and you look at what's going on in Ohio. They're averaging about eleven to twelve hundred cases a day, and I believe the one uh, update today is they had another fifty-seven deaths. So the Cleveland area, Cuyahoga County, which is where I'm from, they average over a hundred cases a day, and anywhere from three to ten deaths a day. So I mean, it's nothing to mess around with. I mean, for the little bit that they're asking us to do, do it. I mean, it's pretty simple. Keep your washing. I mean, and teaching our kids this stuff, washing hands frequently, good idea. Uh, assigned seats, and that is the new thing. I just actually met with the superintendent today from the school system over there in Mountain View and Birch Tree area. They're doing assigned seating in the classrooms, on the buses, in the lunchrooms, because this way, if there is a, uh, somebody that does catch COVID, they know exactly how to trace back who sat next to that child. Yeah, they're doing the same thing at Thayer. I interviewed the uh, Thayer superintendent uh, this morning and uh, said the same thing. Said, you know, they will, uh, they're going to take kids' temperature when they come into school. They're going to yep. get their temperature before they get on the bus. And they encourage parents, if your child's running the temperature or not feeling well, do not send them to school. Again, what happened? What happened? Think about that. You know, this virus comes into our country. People's getting sick. But here's my sentiments, my thoughts. COVID is real. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you compare it to to pneumonia or the flu, the numbers are much greater with pneumonia than the flu. Yeah, apple, the apple, but apples to oranges. Yeah, apples. But to you oranges. see where I'm going with it? 
Yeah, kind of, but pneumonia is still not a virus. Yeah, but you can't catch pneumonia from somebody else. You, know, you catch the flu. And, and the flu, but the flu is not as easy to catch, apparently, as the COVID. So it's, well, here's it, the it's deal. Really I'm going to say this. It does spread faster. It's, my it's part. a really bad deal. We need to be concerned, but don't think it's the end of the world. Oh, no. Okay, because mm-hmm. the, the government and the liberal left wants to scare everybody to death. Don't go to church. Don't go to a business. Don't go to school. All this. Yeah, we're going to take caution, but come on. Well, I tell you, if you want, do you want COVID to go right go away right away? Wouldn't that be nice? I know, I know how it can end immediately. <laughs> How's that? Uh, I, if Joe Biden is elected on November third, on November fourth, COVID is no longer in existence. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. The Democrats are keeping it around Mark and keeping Douglas. a talking point because they they're trying to scare everybody. They're trying to keep the economy shut down. This is my show. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, here we are. We've talked about COVID and what happened. So think about it. We just want to encourage everybody uh, to vote this coming November. It's crucial that we all vote and get a positive vote because if you want your 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 rights protected, you need to vote conservative. That's all I can say. And congratulations to all the candidates that won this yep. past election. Uh, our sheriff in our county was reelected. What a tight race. 57 votes he won. Uh, Jared Holden lost to Mr. Ron Copeland in the state representative race. Herman Kelly won the, the Republican candidacy. Uh, uh, let's think who else. Oh, Jason Bean. We got a new senator. I know. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Nice he, won, he won with 46% of the vote. We had him on the show last weekend. But, mm-hmm. man, what a huge, huge win. And, mm-hmm. Redbone, what about uh, Oregon County? Well, Eric, Eric King was elected sheriff easily yeah. uh, by a four to one margin. Oh my! Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I a, like Eric. Yeah, Eric's a good guy, and uh, you know everything else. I mean, the state representative uh, went to uh, Carla Esslinger or the uh-huh. state senate, and uh, I mean, it was, and that was a tight race, very tight race. Yeah, and and a nasty race. It got, got it nasty got brutal. There, yeah. It got brutal. But yeah. anyway, I'm like you. Congratulations to all the winners. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say about the uh, uh, presidential election is don't pay attention to what's on Facebook. Come on. Come on. Don't pay attention to what's on Facebook. Oh, and, and I want to be somewhat fair here. Don't pay attention to what's on Facebook about Joe Biden, about Kamala Harris, about Mike Pence, or about Donald Trump. Because about 99% of it is not true. You know, there's the big thing going on now that, that the Democrats have made Kamala Harris the vice presidential uh, candidate which they did today, as we record on Thursday, because they want Nancy Pelosi to be president, because Biden will get elected, and then there's a rumor going around that Kamala Harris cannot be the sitting president because she is an anchor baby. Her father is from India and her mother from Jamaica, or vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, which, but actually, that's not true. Right. She is eligible to be president. So if Joe Biden should get elected and step down or something happened to him or they find him in Hold on a minute. Are you supporting... Biden, no, I ju- no, no. I just want I don't want people to believe the lies. Right. Get on him, Wayne. Get on him. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering if if Joe Biden even knows that Kamala Harris is his vice president. <laughs> yeah, I watched <laughs> I watched the news conference today and, and when he introduced her, but but I don't want people I, say I don't want people casting their votes based on lies. Right. Yeah. And, and I agree. Just, we don't just we don't either. We want uh, do factual. Yep. I'm going to say this. Mr. Biden, I do not hate Mr. Biden. I don't hate anybody left. I hate their beliefs. I hate their ways. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this. Mr. Biden is not competent. 
enough to be the leader of this country. Can I have an amen? Hey, I, I'm going to put it this way. If you're going to vote, research and vote. Yeah. Don't just read little quirps and little memes on Facebook and say, oh, that's who I'm voting for. Research it. Just like with the Senate race, who you back as a senator, you should research that senator, find out the truth, and then make your vote count from there. Or your county sheriff or your county no, commissioner. Research it. Don't take else. what somebody tells you. Right. Because in our current political uh, atmosphere, it's it's just all lies. Well, hold on, we're just, we're just going to lie. Well, hold on, we man. We we're not fake media, American Roots. Right? No, no, no. Yeah. You can take what we say. <laughs> <laughs> we're not biased. As long as, we didn't, not biased. As, long as, as long as we didn't get it from social media. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> but anyway, folks, that's our our, our gist for uh, politics. So, uh, you got what about this high school skeet shooting team? Okay. Yeah, I'll mention this before we go to the break here. But uh, the Highland Trap Shooters team from Highland, Arkansas. Highland, Arkansas. That's Highland, a little Arkansas. Town down here. Well, it's a pretty good size. Yeah, I but love anyway. Highland. Uh, I love uh, Good people. Uh, yeah, area. They recently attended the AIM Grand National Trap Shooting Championships up in Lynn Creek, Missouri, which was supposed to have been held in Arkansas, but they had to change it because of the COVID. Yeah. And uh, the team carried home the AIM Grand National Class A Junior wow. Championship. Outstanding. Nine sixty out of one thousand. Wow. Now that's wow. shooting. Yeah, that sure that's is. shooting. And uh, they had two individuals that did just outstanding. Isaac Gregory uh, placed third place in the sub-junior doubles with a score of 96 out of 100. Oh, wow. Uh, he had the high all-around and the sub-junior class three runner-up score with 384 out of 400. Um, and then Logan Jennings placed third. Uh, third in the junior class C doubles with a score of 88 out of 100. So congratulations Pretty to the Highland stuff. Trap Shooting yeah. team. And, you know, we... we we get those things in these high school trap teams. Uh, it's getting more and more popular, and, and these kids need to get out there and shoot. Yeah, you're right. You're oh. right. Also, I want to make uh, mention there's a benefit coming up for the Neil boy. Uh, you know about that, Wayne, the, the Neil boy that, uh, that became deathly, deathly sick because of an incident, and they, they're – Rivercraft Trailers is auctioning off or selling raffle tickets, not auctioning, selling raffle tickets to win a trailer. Hmm. So the proceeds go to help the Neal family that's in the Winona, Birch Tree, Eminence area. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, get a hold of uh, Randy with Rivercraft Trailers down there, Randy Sullivan. Also, I want to make mention uh, the Current River Smallmouth Association tournament was this past weekend. I want to give a big shout-out to Christopher Robertson, my, our alternate partner with uh, Derek Hampton and I. He won it with 11 pounds, 11.88, and had a big bag of fish. Uh, we did not make the top five. We lost two big fish, and it cost us. So we got a great show lined up for you, everybody. We're going to go to a break. we got Mr. M.D. Dale. This guy's an evangelist, but he also has a very, very popular YouTube channel. And you guys got to check him out. It's called Dale Outdoors. He's going to be our guest talking about Jesus and the outdoors. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. Hornady presents 
Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, and as always, we promise you great guests on this show, and we got a really, really special guest this week, uh, Wayne Redbone. This guy is Mr. M.D. Dale. I actually met this guy back in 2004 in Virginia. 98. 98? Oh, it was 98. Okay, yep. 98. Well, 22 years ago. 22. I remember because I was uh, a very, very young guy. I was about 20. About twenty-one years, twenty-one years old, or something like that. Yep. We met. Because I helped organize the event. <laughs> yeah, we met in a, it was a firehouse, wasn't it? Was it an old firehouse or what was it? Uh, it was in a firehouse. Uh, you and Tom Stucky came. I was actually helping a buddy of mine that owned a sport goods store. We were down in the in the um, small little town I was born and raised in. Uh, Virginia there in the Appalachia. It was, um, uh, you know, we didn't even know back then that anything like that would even go over because we didn't ever have anything like a hunter's appreciation night or whatever. And so we we just kind of organized it, and man, we packed that place out, didn't we? It was crazy. <laughs> there was so many people in there, Redbone and Wayne, that they had to they couldn't let no more people in, and the fire marshal was complaining. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, that's a good oh, problem. That, to have. You remember there was a lot of steps. It's still like that today, though. Yeah, there's a lot of steps that went up above. The, it, it's like you got the fire trucks and all stuff downstairs, and right above yeah. it was a big room. And we actually talked about that was going to be big enough because I said, well, you know, and I even remember back then us even saying, if we have 100 people out, <laughs> hey, you know, that, that'd be great. And here it comes like 300 people show up. We don't away. even know where to set nobody. Yeah. And they told us we couldn't let nobody else in. There was people wanting to get in, and we couldn't even let them in. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the problem with having something at a firehouse. The fire marshal's just right there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, but we that was twenty two years ago. I remember because uh, um, I was just like I said, I was just uh, I was just a young kid. And, hey, let's uh, talk about I let's remember. talk about let's talk about M D Dale. You ready? Okay. M.D. Dale. M.D. Dale. It ain't about me. It's about M.D. Dale. Here we go. Okay. M.D. Dale, everybody, is an evangelist. This guy loves to turkey hunt and deer hunt. This guy yeah. is a Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-speaking preacher. This Amen. guy, he, he has got a YouTube channel that is very popular, very popular, and he makes his some of his living off the YouTube channel. And what he does, he does instructional in-depth videos on YouTube on, for example, common mistakes made by turkey hunters on setups, common mistakes made by turkey hunters by not calling enough, common mistakes made by turkey hunters calling too much, deer calling, etc. And guys, it's, it's, his page has become very popular. So welcome to the show, M.D. Dale. And where I want to well, start at, where I want to start at, M.D., is... Where was you born? Let's go there. I was born in Honeaker, Virginia. Uh, uh, I was, it was down in the down in the uh, southwest part of uh, the state of Virginia. I was I was uh, right on the Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina border. We're all over kind of meet there. And I was born down in the sticks. So I'm just a no hill. I'm, a, I'm an old hill jack, hillbilly. I got you. Now, so, where did you go to school and did you go to college? Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, I uh, went to uh, school. 
I went to the, um, uh, I finished 10th grade, and then um, I left, started working that summer, and then never went back, my mistake, but it's just kind of how it was. Then I uh, got my GED that next year and started working, uh, and uh, then I went to uh, about a year of college, community college, and then, of course, the Lord... I got saved when I was, uh, well, right almost at 19 years old. In 95, I got uh, I gave my life to the Lord. Of course, I, my dad was a pastor, preacher. I was a pre- I'm a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Alex, I was actually thinking about this today. I said, because uh, uh, I was telling someone, I said, I've been raised in church all my life. I've been raised in, uh, <clears throat> in, uh, uh, in a preacher's home. And I started playing the piano when I was nine years old. <clears throat> and, of course, I started playing the guitar first when I was about eight. As my dad was a big bluegrass uh, uh, gospel picker and singer. And so I was raised around bluegrass. And then when I was about nine, I took an interest in playing the piano. And, of course, nobody knew how to play the piano in my family except my sister, uh, my half-sister. And she, uh, she, she didn't live around us at the time and so I just prayed I went up one night and uh, a childlike faith and a lot of people don't believe this but it's just true I went up at nine years old and I my dad got done preaching and I went up to the altar and I said uh, I want you to pray for me and he thought I was sick or something he said well what do you need honey and I said why don't you pray over my fingers and he said well what's wrong with your fingers and and I said I want to learn to play the piano and uh, I've never had a lesson. I've never had any kind of musical lesson. I've been playing 33 years. And uh, so I started playing the piano. And, you know, since I've been three or four years old. And then uh, started playing the piano. And, <clears throat> well, I never really had an experience, though, with Jesus until I was 18. I was almost 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, thought I was saved because I was a preacher's kid, but I just never had an experience with the Lord and knew that, uh, you know, knew I needed to get saved. And when I got saved, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost two nights later, and I, and I was called to preach. The night the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, I was called to preach. Praise and God. I accepted the call to preach a week later and started preaching two months later. <laughs> so <laughs> I got it all in, I, I got it all in, just about a two-month period. So when I went to college, I was starting to preach, you know, starting to get invited to come preach a few places mm-hmm. local, and I just started getting so busy that I just felt like I needed to to, uh, to pursue the ministry instead. And so in 1998, I, I'd been preaching about two and a half years, in 98, January the 1st, I was Watch night service actually on December thirty first, uh, ninety seven. I was praying at the altar. We was praying the New Year's Day, and the Lord spoke to me. I believe in my heart and said, it's "Time to quit and work for me." Mm-hmm. And I uh, I quit that next week and went full time in the ministry, and been going ever since and preaching the gospel. Um, traveled all over the country preaching revivals. Crusades, tent revivals, auditoriums, and 
did that for about 12 years full time and was running well back then my revival was running three or four four weeks and that's no break that's seven nights a week oh, wow and we was uh seeing the lord save people heal people feel people deliver people and i did it for about 12 years and then uh then I started pastoring. Hey, brother, we're going to have to interrupt you. We're going to have to go to a break here. We apologize. Okay. We, we do All each right. segment about eight minutes. So uh, okay. Redbone's going to take over real quick. Yeah, we do, do need to go to break, and we are sorry to interrupt the story. But the interesting story, fast track to become a preacher, and now the rest, as they say, is history. That's yeah. fantastic. If you want to hear the rest of this, you got to come back to segment that's two, right. three, and four and the bonus segment. This uh, is good stuff. That's right, folks. We'll be back. More American Roots Outdoors Radio right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. And good a big old hill, year after year, got my hunger. Hornady presents, welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. And again, our special guest, Mr. M.D. Dale. Dale Outdoors evangelist, and he's sharing his story of his American roots, where he was born, where he was raised, and how God called him to preach. And we left off him talking about him preaching seven nights a week. Three and four weeks at a time. Three and four weeks at a time. Yeah, wow. three or four. I know I did have one revival. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget my probably my longest revival that I had was not too long after I actually, and that was actually the revival that kind of put me on the map in in Virginia, in southwest Virginia, in, in Kentucky, and Tennessee area. I went to this church that was in, uh, it was in the year of 99, and I'd only been preaching, at this time I would have been preaching uh, probably four years, and I'd been full-time for a couple, or maybe all about a year, I guess, a little over a year. And I went in October, and this guy, uh, this pastor had called me, and I didn't know the church, and he just had heard of me, and asked me if I'd come and preach on Sunday. And I said, look, uh, I really don't have any Sunday open right now, I said, but when I get a chance. Well, revival got canceled on me, and it was all the Lord, because uh, it shows you how the Lord works. <clears throat> I had a cancellation due to uh, death in the church. So I, I needed some place to go, and because that's how I was making my living too. So you know, I needed to keep busy, and called this guy, and I said, "Hey, I had a cancellation." Yada da da da, and <clears throat> he said, "Yeah, man, come on over, come on over Sunday." He said, "Come on over Sunday." And I, I drove to Abingdon, Virginia, which was a little small church on the back street, little old bitty church, wouldn't hold a hundred people, just a little old white frame church, sitting on the back street away from everything. And uh, went in there, there was there was about 10 people, and I took about five with me that night. So we had about 15 people. And I'll never forget just walking in there thinking, okay, this is going to be another service. I'm going to go in here and in and out and you know make some new friends, maybe come back later down the road. And, man, I, I preached that night on the uh, on This Is That about Joel when he said, this is that spoke about the prophet Joel. And the Holy Ghost fell 20, I got up and sung, done all the preliminaries, 20 minutes into my message in October of 99, 20 minutes into it, I mean, it wasn't worked up or nothing, the Holy Ghost just failed. Mm. 
And I had to quit preaching. I mean, 15 people was on their feet running and shouting. And we was, I mean, it, it was like you had 150 people in there. And uh, people was, you know, them 15 people got around that altar. And they were weeping and crying. And, well, the pastor's passed away now. But I'll never forget, he, he came up to me and he whispered in my ear. He said, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I said, I guess I'll be here. And he said, praise the Lord. Come on back. And Alex, that started on Sunday. We were there for six weeks, seven nights a week. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I preached all the way to the middle of November, and I was so tired. I said, listen, <laughs> I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go deer hunt in Missouri. And if we feel like we've missed the Lord, we'll, I'll come back. I said, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm tired. I've been preaching all month. People were getting saved. The church was growing. People were getting delivered. People coming back to Jesus. I mean, it was just, the church was filling up in a three-week period. No advertisement, no flyers, no nothing. And uh, <clears throat> I came out here and deer hunted in Missouri, because I used to drive out here every year. Came out here and deer hunted to wait, to rest. I called him probably four or five days after I got out here, and I said, hey, what's happening? He said, brother, we're having people saved in Sunday school classes. You gotta come back. <laughs> and I said, Well, I'll be there Sunday. I left Missouri, went to Sunday. Our Sunday started the revival over and it went all the way to almost Christmas and we and we closed out for Christmas. Oh my. So we were there for over six weeks and that church went from fifteen people and went to over a hundred and stayed running seventy and eighty for years. Beautiful, beautiful. Let me share a quick story with you. Not trying to top your story, yeah. but Pastor yeah. Jeff Burkhart, it's going on right now in Blue Eye, Missouri, a tent revival. They're going on almost 90-some nights right now in a row. Praise the Lord. And they've got people harassing them, honking their horns, uh, <laughs> protesting a tent revival and everything in that little town of Blue Eye. Huh. So it shows you how God can work everybody. And what a wonderful story uh, that you're sharing with us. Uh, you're an evangelist, and what a wonderful story, Wayne. Well, yeah. yeah I, and, you know, there's so many other, I, could, I mean, just, just years of that. I mean, I, I'd go, I'd go set it. I bought a gospel tent in 2001, uh, and uh, used to have to set it up twice a year. And we would have over 200, 250 people. And, I mean, demons cast out, people delivered. People would come staggered in under the tent. I mean, I actually got videotapes of a lot of this. Mm -hmm. People would come staggered in the tent, totally drunk, and leave sober and leave saved to come back two or three nights later and God fill them with the Holy Ghost and get mm -hmm. delivered. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's been my life. You know, of course, my dad, like I said, he was he was uh, an old-time preacher. And, but I never had that experience for myself until, of course, I was, like I said, uh, up in teenage years. I didn't. I uh, just started evangelizing all over the country and preaching long revivals, and it wore me down after a while. And uh, a, ch a church came open in 2006, an opportunity for me to, to pastor a church, and I just felt like I needed a break on the road. Mm -hmm. Started pastoring in 06 and took my first church and pastored there uh, till 2011. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 12, and then I, uh, the opportunity come to move here to Missouri and take this church, and I left that church and came here, and I've been here in Missouri as a resident and a pastor 
uh, and that's what I'm doing now. So my life's been diminished. You know, of course, I, I resigned my church here last November, so I'm back on the field evangelizing. Well, and I, uh, I, I, was, I was saying, uh, Matt, and, and Jesus. One of the things I, I I really get out of this is that not you were fast tracked to begin with at a young age. You you fast tracked into the the preacherhood. And then with all the notoriety that came so quick upon you, the one thing that kept you in common with everybody else that we can relate to is all that stuff that was going on. You went to the tree stand for seven days and recharged your batteries and started all over again. (laughs) And we can all relate to that. Any any of us that work like I was a paramedic in Cleveland and, you know, I was doing overtime seven days a week, you know, 12, 24 hour shifts sometimes. And you're just getting hammered with shooting after shooting and stabbings and stuff like that. Mm. And sometimes you just need, you know, four or five days sitting in the tree stand and let's start it all up again. But, hey, we got to go to a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about Dale Outdoors. And uh, how that got started. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and stay tuned. We'll be right back with American Roots Outdoors. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Hunting boots passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Race. Uh, Alex Rutledge is here. Wayne Locke is here. We're talking to M.D. Dale. M.D., my, my first question before we get on, we're going to talk about the uh, the outdoors show and what you're doing on the, the YouTube. But you mentioned you were pastoring a church until recently in Missouri. Whereabouts in Missouri? I was in Bowling Green, Missouri. It's about okay. 70 miles north of St. Louis. Absolutely. Yeah, a beautiful part of the country up there. And, and and the home yeah. of and very close to the home of uh, Mark Twain. Yeah, Mark Twain Lake's about twenty five minutes from my house. Yep, I was up when I was in the fifth grade. We went to Hannibal on a on a field trip in school. Would have been about nineteen sixty nine. Went to the governor's <laughs> mansion and went to Injun Joe's cave and all that stuff. That's wow, a great wow, part. Wow. That's a great part of the world. Well, I got a story for you. I actually spent about uh, three weeks in Bowling Green one summer with my sister Jewel and my brother in law Ben Jay. He helped build the dam there at Perry. Okay. Yeah, Mark Twain. He helped uh-huh. build that. Yeah. So, what wow. what a unique unique uh, uh, comparison and uh, you living there and me spending time there and yeah. let's talk about your hunting crew and your YouTube channel real quick. Uh, Dale Outdoors. What got you into wanting to do the YouTube stuff? And Wayne's going to ask you a bunch of questions. He's excited here. <laughs> I can tell. So, what got you into doing, thinking? Well, I'm just going to create my own YouTube channel. Well, uh, I've been hunting all my life. You know, my dad, that's all he ever done was yeah. hunt fish. And I mean, he never played no sports or nothing. So I was raised in, in the woods when I was, like, old enough to walk. And uh, so he was, I've always said, Dad's one of them turkey hunters that when turkey hunting wasn't cool, he was hunting turkeys in Appalachia in the late 60s and 70s, you know, when before mm-hmm. there was any kind of notoriety in turkey hunting. So, uh <clears throat> He deer hunted all his life because he, he was raised where they had where they had to do it. Eat. And so when I came along, just got the just got the passion from him. Of course, all of the Dale generations always hunted and fished. So um, I didn't take up turkey hunting until my later years. Even though I killed my first turkey when I was twelve, and this fall turkey dad called in. Then after that, I just kind of 
had a dream to become a professional bass fisherman and forgot when come April I wanted to be out fishing. So that'd be out turkey hunting, I'd be out fishing. And when I was about uh, 17, I killed my first long beard, and that, that ruined me for life. <laughs> so I just wanted to learn everything that I could about turkey hunting. Now, I had the deer hunting. Yeah, I was killing three or four deers every year. But turkey hunting just seemed like that was the passion for me. And so after about, I don't know, 15 years of, of it and being pretty successful and, and, and feeling like I was a decent you know, caller and turkey hunter, figure stuff out, I just uh, thought, you know, I don't see a lot of education teaching on turkey hunting. You know, we always we always see, and you're, you're familiar with this, Alex, uh, you know, you always see, here's how you purr, here's how you cluck, here's a box call, here's a... Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, well, everybody's doing that. I want... We need to go back to teaching people how to turkey hunt on real stuff. And uh, so I... Uh, was basically just doing it for fun to learn how to edit because I had a, I was preaching on television then, so I was trying to learn how to edit shows and and new editing programs. So I just went out one day in turkey season, popped the camera up, and was just doing it to learn how to edit. Mm-hmm. Started doing uh, just teaching turkey, and did that for a couple of years and posted three or four videos, maybe a year, and that was it. My brother-in-law, I still give him credit for all this. He says. Uh, about two or three years later, he says, you know, you've got 150,000 views on these videos. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, you got 150,000. He said, you need to be doing this, man, and, and do it right. So I really, my whole thing with Dell Outdoors is I'm an educator. I like to take scenarios where most people don't show on television or have time, break it down and really teach people how to turkey hunt. And deer hunt, you know, and of course, you know, but turkey hunting seems to be what everybody knows me for. Pretty much it. That's beautiful. Well, you now, must be doing something right. You got 17,000 subscribers. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, you got more than we do. The, the, funny, the, the funny thing about that was is that uh, two years, three years ago, three years ago, I uh, I just started doing it, quote, I guess you would say, not you know, better and more professional three years ago because I just went for years and just posted just half because I was busy with everything. So about back in 2017, I just really started stepping up, learning how to do more professional stuff about my presentation. And in three years, I went from uh, about 2,000 subscribers that I've had for like six years all the way to 17 now. So it's really grown a lot in the last two years, especially. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. What a, what a story. Yeah, what uh, what do you find that your feedback is from people that say, "Hey, man, this is you're so much different than anybody else. This is why I'm subscribing to you to jump from like you said six thousand to seventeen thousand. That's not like a little increase at all. I mean, that's well, a huge increase. So I'm sure you had to be getting feedback of, you know, man, this is what we yeah. like. This is what you're doing. Oh man, from 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 and I mean, I'm, and I'm just bragging on the Lord because he's he's helped me. But every single April May. You know, every single three months, I could show you some type of emails from people say, "Hey, man, I finally killed my first turkey. I've I've struggled for years. All this stuff that I saw that they told me I had to have. Now I, I didn't understand how to turkey hunt, and I see your videos, uh, and I find, and they send me pictures. I get so many first gobbler pictures because you know people have the calling down sometimes, but 
they just don't have the strategies down. And probably the most popular video I had this past year was uh, just uh, about uh, uh, what to do after turkey gobbles. Because a lot of people, just for instance, somebody hears a turkey gobble, uh, let's say you have four or five turkeys gobbling you know, around, around you, which that don't happen a whole lot, but sometimes it happens. And you can, you can hunt all of them, but you don't know which one to go to. And most people will go to the one that's closest because, well, that's, I can get to him quicker. But that might, might, that might not be the right one to go to. You know, it's something my dad taught me years ago. He used to stop me and say, no, we're not going to that one. Well, why? He ain't going to work right. We're going to this one. Well, why? Well, it's farther. It's the longest one we got. Don't matter. He's the one that's right. And he just knew how to read turkeys because of the way he gobbled. He stayed up high on a ridge. Everything else was low, had hens. And he said, that turkey's up on that ridge for a reason because he wants to be heard because he's by himself. And so it's just stuff like that, of course. Hey, Brother M.D., Brother M.D., we're going to have to go to wrap the show up here. We apologize. But I want to say this. M.D. Dale is doing a revival at the Winal Assembly God Church, everybody, starting Sunday morning at the Winal Assembly God Church, Winona, Missouri. He'll be there until Tuesday unless God keeps him longer. And we're doing a bonus segment here. And the bonus segment, he's going to talk more about his strategies and stuff. And uh, Wayne's going to talk about the bonus segment. Yeah, we're gonna. I want to touch base on uh, what your thoughts are on summer prep for fall bow hunting. I know you got a couple of videos out there that were fantastic uh, for getting people prepped, and it's that time of year where people got to start thinking about getting their equipment ready and stuff like that. So we're gonna cover all that in the bonus segment. And of course, everybody to listen right. to the bonus segment, you have to tune in to your favorite podcast. Just subscribe, leave us a five star review. It's greatly appreciated. <laughs> Greatly, five-star five review, greatly yeah, appreciated. Yeah, yeah but don't, also, leave, don't leave a two or three-star. Yeah, right. or four. But also, we do have a contest going on right now. If you were, are interested in a 25-pound bag of Eagle Seed wow. um, Ooh, smorgasbord. smorgasbord, all you got to do is go to the uh, podcast, leave a review. You'll be automatically entered. The contest will end in two weeks, and we're going to draw a winner for a free bag of Eagle Seed food plot food. There you have it. Also, go follow MD Dale on YouTube and his Facebook pages. Everybody, we're going to wrap this show up. Again, go to our bonus segment, listen to our podcast. Here at the show, we have a famous saying, MD, and our saying is, Redbone, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Have a great weekend, everybody. Spend time with your families and friends. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents the bonus segment. Welcome back to American Roots with Alex Rutledge. Alex is in the studio along with Mike. This is Wayne Locke. We got M.D. Dale on the Radio here with us from Dale Outdoors. Uh, we were talking about your uh, uh, subscribing and the 17,000 people you have subscribed to your uh, your YouTube channel. It's just amazing. But, what, you know, as, as people go through these, you have more than just hunting tips. One of the things that caught yeah. my eye, and is that time of year for it, is getting your equipment ready for this fall bow season. And you've got a, right. uh, a video out there, uh, bow hunting preparation, making the shot. And I tell you, people, if, you have, if you're going to pick a video <laughs> out this summer yeah. to watch, that is one to pick because it will teach you so much. But, you know, what do you have going on as far as tips that you can get people, you know, thinking right now of what they got to do for this fall? 
Well, I think the main thing is a lot of people wait till two weeks before bow season to start shooting a bow. And even though that you, you may go out there and shoot perfect from your, you know, because nothing's changed, your muscles, everything just stiffens. Mm-hmm. You need to get out and limber up. But more than anything, and this is where a lot of people mess up, in my opinion, they don't practice like they're going to be hunting. They get out there 20 yards, you know, they take all their time, you know, like their buddies are watching them when they want to, you know, shoot. You don't hunt like that. You know, I do a lot of snap shooting. I do quick shooting, draw back, anchor shoot. I practice a lot of that because I would rather make bad shots on a target in August and September because, <laughs> you know, we all know that that deer, he don't just stand there a lot of times broadside and say, here, shoot me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to make got to make quick shots sometimes, practice angles. I mean, when you see me practicing out here in my yard, I probably look like an idiot to a lot of people driving by. <laughs> you know, Alex, I, I can relate that because when I was bow hunting uh, quite a bit, my, my uncle that taught me to bow hunt, uh, he always said the same thing. You've got to practice like you hunt, even down to wearing the same boots, wearing the gloves, same clothes. Yeah, if you're wearing clothes, he would even say, and if you can, put your tree stand up in your yard and shoot out of that tree stand because it's different right. than shooting on the flat ground. I want to share something. I don't have a tree stand. I got a house. I get up on top. <laughs> <laughs> I get a ladder and get up on top of my house and shoot down. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, too, I think a lot of people, a lot of questions that get asked, one of the main ones I get asked is you know, when it comes to bow hunting seminars and stuff, they'll say, I'm always shooting over the deer. I'm always shooting over the deer. Well, you know, I shoot fine on the yard. Always, this is how I do it. Now, this may not be for everybody, but. That's how I learned, and this helped me. I always heart shoot a deer. I always aim for the heart, which lays a little bit below the lungs. I never pull that pin behind that deer's shoulder in the lungs. I always come down to the heart. Because, hey, if they don't jump the string or they don't react, you go heart shoot them, they're going to go 30 yards and drop. Or, you know, maybe. Uh, they won't far. And then if they do react, you're going to double lung them and they ain't going to go nowhere either. So, bow hunt is a game of inches. Shoot low and it's a go. Yep, that's, exactly. That's how I do it. And I know you were saying that you you people look at you funny when they're driving by and when you're out there practicing. Yeah. But I, I was the same way. I, you know, being in a, a urban area there in Cleveland, Ohio, I had a tree stand in my backyard. So you know, our houses are stacked on top of each other, and yeah. people would be walking by and seeing me right there at the corner of my house in a tree stand with the only and the only tree I had in my my yard, <laughs> and I had a tree stand in it, and I was shooting. And and then when I was at work at the fire department, we would just back the ambulance out of the bay, and I'd go get on top of the ambulance and shoot off the ambulance into the bay. So in the winter time, I was totally fine. And in the rain, I was totally fine because I stayed nice and dry and just shoot off the ambulance. And people would drive by and go, I hope that ambulance doesn't come yeah. after me. <laughs> Here's something that I do. When I shoot, I line my bow up for 20 yards, 30 yards, and 40 yards. Okay. And when you get your bow sighted in and you're shooting good at 20, start shooting at 50 every day you go to shoot. Right. Shoot 50, shoot 50, shoot 50, shoot 50. Don't worry right. about 40 and 30. Once you get exactly. to 50 and you, you get adapted to what you're doing and your mm-hmm. muscles are set in and everything, then that 20-yard shot, 30- and 40-yard shot's a chip shot. That's right. Thank you for and letting holding, me speak. I think that's a big deal, too. People don't practice holding their bow back. And if you can, I've always said if you can't hold your bow at full draw for at least 60 seconds without without shaking, you're shooting too much bow. You need to, you need to, I mean, sometimes I shot a big... I shot a big buck last year, big big ten pointer, uh, come fifteen yards from me, and he, when when I draw back on that deer, I had to draw back because I was in skinny tree. I had to draw back when I drew back because I knowed 
he was going to spot me because I was wide open where he came in. I, I was expecting for him to come the other way. And I held my bow because I'm shooting, you know, I'm shooting the bow that I can shoot comfortably and it's got really good let off. But I held that bow for at least over a minute before before he gave me a shot. But I had to draw because if I wouldn't have, and a lot of guys, you know, when I see shoot, you know, if I'm shooting with them, they'll pull a bow back and they'll be shaking in 30 seconds. Too much. Don't get macho. Listen, I shoot, I shoot 70 pounds, but... 50 pounds to kill a deer. Well, and I was just going to say that because I think that's two biggest problems I see when I when I ran my archery shop in Cleveland. Two biggest problems I had was people overweight on their, their draw and overdraw length was another big factor. Mm-hmm. But people would be like, oh, I got to have 70 pounds. I got to have 70 pounds. But, no. And I, I kept pointing out to the deer that I had on the wall at the, the archery shop, and that is, you look at those deer there? I said, those were all deer my kids killed, and they were only shooting 45 pounds. Yeah. I said so it's not it's it's not about and uh Brenda Valentine years and years ago made this statement one time it's not the weight of the bow you're shooting it's the placement of the arrow. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I got to say too well, that sometimes I start shaking before I even pull my bow back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. that's a different kind of thing. <laughs> That goes right back to what you were saying, though, about muscle memory, building your muscles up. Because if you can get those muscles where they need to be during the summertime, come fall time, you're going to be able to do exactly what you said. Hold that draw for a minute if you have to when that deer's not presenting the right shot. I, I totally agree. I think that uh, I think it's all about practice. And, and I kneel. A lot, I, I do a lot of ground hunting. In fact, I've got two or three videos on YouTube. And actually, I, I got a real good doe kill last year. Uh, on YouTube there from last year, and uh, I was in a red flannel shirt, blue jeans, and I just actually that that kind of come together because that that evening I told I told my dad I said, you know I'm just going to hunt like I did in school. I, I said I just want to go in blue jeans and a red flannel shirt and set up behind a tree with a bow, see if I can pull it off, self film. And uh, that evening, that's exactly what I did. It was like it just all come together. Go uh, come in 15 yards, eye to eye. And I was just trying to show the right way to the ground hunt and, and, and without a blind. Um, and I think when you ground hunt, you have to practice shooting through forks of trees, shooting through a, maybe a little bit of brush. I'm not talking about shooting through a bunch of brush. You know, don't advocate that, but maybe shooting through a little bit of limbs if you have to. You know, just practice that out in the summer and practice that before season. Because I've made some pretty crazy shots on the ground and, and double lung deer where most people probably would have said there ain't no way. So you're but probably a practice like that. you're probably a big proponent of three D shoot tournaments during the uh, or shooting at least during the summertime to get uh, more realistic situations in, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's great. I've never done it, but I think it'd be great. I'd like to sometime, but I've never had the chance to do it. But I've heard it's I've heard it's it's real. You know, it's very real. Yeah, I know when I the hunt club that I uh, was vice president of over there in uh, Valley View, Ohio, uh, that's one of the things we did is we set up a 3D course uh, that you'd have to walk. It was about a mile and a half course, and then we had a lot of realistic situations, you know, where you're shooting down into a ravine or up a hill or, right. or mm-hmm. you know, things like that just to make things more realistic through a fallen tree or that. But I know there's so much more we could talk about. I know we're going to have you on the air again uh, because there's, uh, there's a lot that still needs to be covered. But uh, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our bonus segment. And we definitely want to thank you for uh, coming on and sharing some more knowledge with us and for all our listeners. And um, where can people reach you at if they would like to follow you and look you up? 
Uh, I have a YouTube channel that's Dale Outdoors, D-A-L-E, uh, Outdoors. Uh, you can subscribe to my channel there and look up. I got a lot of turkey hunt stuff, a lot of deer hunt. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Eyes of the Hunter, or I guess you could put Dell Outdoors too, but it's mostly Eyes of the Hunter. I have a web I have a web page at DellOutdoors.com. Email is uh, mddell 31 at gmail. All that's on the website, though, you can find. But, yeah, um, I appreciate uh, you having me, and I'm looking forward to to uh, being back with you all sometime. And like I said, we could talk hunting all day long, and Jesus, of course, you know, he's the main thing. Right. Well, again, we want to thank you, MD, for being on the show, and uh, we're looking forward to you, the revival and you bringing the Holy yeah. Ghost with you. And, uh, uh, man, uh, you got some good stuff going there for you. And, again, yeah. thank you for being a guest. And, uh, everybody, thank you for listening to our bonus segment. Thank you for sharing, telling all your friends about American Roots Outdoors because we're all about faith, family, friends, the outdoors, and our constitutional rights. Till next week on our show, again, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.